Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. I warned those of you who were here last week in my sermon that the prophet got really dark this week. I almost felt like we should have placed a disclaimer above the first and second readings. The parish leadership has rated this Sunday as PG-13. I talked at at length last week about the reason that prophets use words like these. They're trying to wake us up. And they want, to see, they want us to see the injustice in our world, to take off our blinders. Still, at 8 o'clock in the morning, Courtney Dula Pearson read the word whoredom very quietly. <laughs> My husband chose to proclaim it loudly. It's a surprising word. And then there's Paul's letter that's really about debunking ethnocentrism and telling Christians that everyone is welcome to follow Jesus. But I won't blame you if his metaphor is a distraction. Spiritual circumcision doesn't really work for postmodern ears. All right, that's enough of the first and second readings. When words like that come up, we have to talk about them for a moment. I have to address the scandal. Consider it addressed. We're gonna leave aside the whoredom and the circumcision I'm going to spend the balance of my sermon on the Lord's Prayer. If you were asked to give a summary of the Christian faith on the back of an envelope, the best thing to do would be to write the Lord's Prayer. Advice from Rowan Williams, former Archbishop of Canterbury. More than any creed, more than any book of theology or catechism, This simple, short prayer expresses the fullness of the Christian faith. I'm struck this morning by the disciples' request, Jesus, teach us to pray. You might expect a complicated response. We tend to make out spirituality like it is some complicated topic. I've heard Christians say, I can't pray. I don't have a degree in theology. Sometimes I think we imagine that Jesus responded to his disciple, it will take you years to learn to pray. But he doesn't. That's not the gospel. For Jesus, prayer is simple. These words of the Lord's Prayer, these simple words, are the backbone of all Christian prayer. Every service we do here at Holy Communion, we pray these words because they are the backbone. Spirituality is simple, not just for experts. Little kids can pray. Just say the words Jesus taught you and go from there. I suspect many of you, like me, learned the Lord's Prayer in Sunday school. Each week we sang a song about thanking God for creation in my pre-kindergarten Sunday school class. I remember there was a butterfly who thanked God for her fine wings and a fuzzy-wuzzy bear who thanked God for his fuzzy-wuzzy hair. It was very 1980s. I don't remember all the words to the song, but I do remember the words we prayed after the song, because they're these words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. The prayer as we have it today comes from Luke's gospel, 
They're not quite the familiar words I memorized in Sunday school. The Lord's Prayer that we say here at Holy Communion is based on Matthew's more poetic and developed version. Luke's version is even simpler. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us all our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. That is a short prayer. I'm going to shorten it even more. I think everything beyond the first two lines is really just a commentary on those first lines. Asking for daily bread, forgiveness of sins, remembering that we also must forgive our debtors, asking that our faith not be tested. These are simple requests. And they all flow from the assertions made in the first two lines. This morning, I want to take a look just at those first two lines of Jesus' prayer. Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Father. Of course, as Julian of Norwich wrote in the 14th century, as truly as God is our father, so truly God is our mother. The importance of this address is not the gender, but the parental familiarity the informality. The traditional practitioners of the Jewish faith at the time of Jesus were apt to start prayers with long, formal addresses. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, and it would go on from there. This is the difference between someone calling upon the rector of Holy Communion, the Reverend Father Michael Richard Angel, Master of Divinity, Reverend Sir, or just saying, hey, Mike, I much prefer the second. And Jesus uses the familiar for God. It's one of the unique moments in Christianity that Jesus chooses to identify God with the familiar. Would have been a scandal to his contemporary rabbis. As such, Jesus intimates that God is close to us, very close to us closer than our own breath, as Thomas Merton said. Prayer is simple because God is accessible, available in every moment, familiar. You just have to knock, say some simple words, ask, and it shall be given to you. Hallowed be thy name. And this may seem like a throwaway phrase. Why would we ask God to keep God's own name holy. God doesn't need to keep God's name holy. We do. Because if we don't keep God's name holy, we keep something else holy. Let me explain. The writer David Foster Wallace once spoke to the graduates of Kenyon College. I've read this quote from this pulpit before because I think it's really good advice. Here's David Foster Wallace's words to some graduating seniors. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. 
Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Foster Wallace goes on to list several other things that people in our day worship. Power, intellect, the list goes on. He finishes with this sentence. The insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They are default settings. Father, hallowed be thy name. The line takes us out of the default setting. It makes us ask what we are holding to be holy. What are the priorities around which we are living our lives? When you pray, Jesus taught his disciples, you put God above all else. You reorder your universe around God. You reprioritize. Thy kingdom come. I once attended a lecture by the great Peruvian theologian Gustavo Gutierrez. He said that this was the most frightening line in all of scripture. He said that these days we'd written our own Lord's Prayer. He said this is not the way we pray today, really. Gustavo Gutierrez said that our prayer these days was not thy kingdom come. Instead, our prayer today is often, Our Father who art in heaven, stay there. (laughs) Stay there. We've got this, God. Thanks for the offer. We like our kingdom just as it is. Thy kingdom come asks us to admit that the world as it is is not the world as it should be. As they say in AA, the first step is admitting you have a problem. These days we might not need as much convincing. Last year, Ellis and I went up to my family's place in the mountains of Colorado. Some of my favorite memories from childhood involved playing in the forest around our cabin. It's still beautiful there in Grand Lake, but visiting also tugs on my heart because huge stands of trees in the forest up there have died. Once, green pine trees stretched further than the eye could see. Now, half a mountain can be covered with the gray of dead trees. Our rising global temperatures allowed a pine beetle to lay waste to the forest. You don't need to convince me of the truth of climate change. I've seen it with my eyes and smelled it in the air. When I was a kid, my home state didn't alternate between massive floods and trying to burn down every summer. But that's where we are today. Praying thy kingdom come in those dead forests asks God to restore God's rule to bring life where human action and human inaction have brought death. I mention climate change partly because we've had such a terribly hot week, and partly because thy kingdom come is bigger than just our present fights. It helps sometimes to think ecologically, not just about human issues like race, immigration, religion, that are pervading our news. I have to confess, As we straddle these two political conventions, I'm tired. I'm worn thin by the fog of political cynicism coming from both sides of the aisle. 
Cynicism is toxic. In the words of Stephen Colbert, (laughs) cynicism is a self-imposed blindness, a rejection of the world because we are afraid it will hurt us or disappoint us. Cynics always say no, but saying yes begins things. Saying yes is how things grow. Saying yes leads to knowledge. So for as long as you have the strength to, say yes. Thy kingdom come asks us to say yes. Jesus' kingdom is not the law and order of Rome, but freedom, justice, mercy, and wholeness for all of life. Can you imagine that kingdom? Can you imagine such a place? Can you imagine a world where all people hear that deep yes, where all people feel welcome, rich or poor, straight or gay, woman or man, cisgender, trans, black, white, brown, every skin color in between, able-bodied or disabled, smart, not so smart, athletic, not so athletic. God imagines a world that welcomes all. God says yes. Thy kingdom come involves us in saying a deep and hopeful yes. I once heard an Episcopal priest say that we should put on hard hats when we say thy kingdom come. I'm not sure if the hard hats function to keep us safe when thy kingdom starts falling from heaven or if they identify that we are working. Probably both. Father, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I've been praying these words since I was a little kid in Sunday school. I suspect you have too. These are the words that have been prayed in the greatest celebrations in the most glorious cathedrals in Europe. And they've been prayed in the muddiest foxholes at the most trying times of human existence. These words are prayed every time an airplane takes off. The Lord's Prayer is prayed before middle school tests and by people facing difficult diagnoses. These words of prayer are words of solidarity with Christians across the planet from every walk of life, and words of solidarity with followers of Jesus across time and eternity. Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. These simple words stick with us. They tell us that prayer is not only for the experts. Jesus' prayer reminds us that we are loved by a God who is familiar to us, close to us, available to us. These words ask us to return to God, to hold God's name holy above all else. And these words invite us to become involved in God's work. They invite us to say yes to God's hopeful vision for our world. So if you are presented with a back of an envelope, I wouldn't start with the prophet Hosea or Paul's letter about circumcision. I know no better summary of our faith than the Lord's Prayer. Amen.